Welcome into Tampa 2. Casey Phillips here with staff writer Bree Dix. We were hoping this was not going to be the final Tampa 2 of this particular season. Yeah. But here we are. You know, this is where we all get together. We commiserate. We talk about <laughs> the future, the goals, all of right. it. This is this is our community here, yeah. people, to feel what we feel today, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which is very sad. All the, feels. all the feels that the season is over. But we have uh, a lot to go over, a lot to yeah. look forward to in this offseason and this next season. So um, we are still going to be with you guys all offseason as we talk about all the Bucks topics here. Mm, so yeah. um, let's start with our Cowboys recap, um, which I know, again, very bummed about the outcome. <laughs> but, you know, let's let's talk about what we can yeah. take away from it. Well, I think Levante David summarized it really well. He just said simply they out executed us. And I think if you going back and watching it, you know, the Cowboys just dictated and controlled the line of scrimmage the entire game. And one of the main storylines going into that game was, you know, can the Buccaneers relieve Tom Brady of pressure by neutralizing the Cowboys pass rush with an effective ground game? And they weren't able to do that. You know, once again, Tom Brady passed 66 times outrageous that is so many a record and you know the Cowboys were effective in the red zone in scoring and then in defending the red zone so you know they really just dominated the entire game so I think you kind of saw a lot of the issues that we've talked about throughout the season crept up again and you know really after the defense started out hot with you know forcing those two straight three and outs but then after that the Cowboys really got into the rhythm and commanded the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. So I think that was kind of, you were hoping that this is the game the Bucs can put it together and and they weren't able to do that. And it shows how much teams and situations change over the course of a season of how different this game felt than week one. And um, yeah, it was so interesting to feel like, I felt so good at the start of the game when you're forcing three and outs and, you know, Dak is starting 0 for three and it felt like, all right, like this is good. You're You're at home. You can stop them right out of the gate and get the ball. And then even I feel like such a huge shift happened when the Bucks were able to go all the way down the field, be, you know, within that five-yard line, and then the interception, which was just such a fluky one yes. when he's just trying to get rid of it, you know. And I, I think that that was such a shift of a play. I mean, that's right. I would call it a 14-point shift, but with the way the, the Cowboys' extra points were going, right. not because quite that many. <laughs> Brett Maher had missed, so had yeah. they scored, they would they have been right up there. by one. Yeah. It was every opportunity of when you're they left those four points on the table that, that you weren't as many scores down right. as you felt like you were yeah. going to be. But, yeah, they, they just couldn't stick with the run game long enough. I know that was something Coach Bowles said on our radio show this week is he kind of wished they'd stuck with the run a little longer. That he was okay. like, you know, they were getting some, you know, decent-sized runs if they weren't necessarily crazy, but you're getting four yards, you're getting five yards, right. things like that, that he's like, yeah, I mean, that's that's feasible. Mm-hmm. And, but um, you're still throwing off the opponent, kind of making them yeah, have to respect it. you've got to respect it. And then they just kind of got away from it for a bit. I mean, we saw Rashad got a 12-yarder mm-hmm. here. I mean, there were just there were some times that it was kind of working. But basically, just yet again, it was another thing where the situation ended up dictating what you can do. Yeah. And when you get behind like that, it, you, you have this glorious game plan, and then suddenly that game plan is no longer applicable. Mm-hmm. And I just think that was really challenging to – have to get so one-dimensional like that because right. then they can, of course, change what they're going to do and just pin, pin their ears back and go. And when already we knew that that was their strength was putting pressure and you have yeah. Micah Parsons, 
Micah Parsons, when he can pin his ears back and go, is a dangerous force. Oh, yes. And, and that puts a lot of stress on your offensive line, and which, of course, that was a takeaway I wanted us to discuss, was Ryan Jensen playing every dang snap. What a warrior. Yes. What a warrior. I mean, this guy, for what he went through all season to rehab the way he did, to stick with it the way he did, I mean, that's a lonely road. Yes. And when yes. you are hoping – you can get back, but not even knowing, A, again, if, is the team going to even make it into the playoffs, playoffs where for you – him to even yeah. be able to play. He has no control over that, and yet he's working as if you can. he believed the team would do it, and to be able to get back like that, um, I just found that really impressive. And, yeah, for him to play every snap, and, and Bulls said that on the show as well, that that was not the plan necessarily, that mm -hmm. they, they didn't expect him to be able to go the whole time. And part of why they started him was they didn't really know – how Hainsey was, was going to be. be. So then if they put him in and then they didn't know how long Jensen could go, well, what if Hainsey could only go for a little bit? Then they put Jensen in and he can't go. finish it out. Yeah. And then what do you do? So they were like, well, we'll just put Jensen in, give him as long as he can go, and then we can have Hainsey there, you know, in relief. And then Jensen, as he put it, just almost got better and stronger as the game went on, which is wild. Right. So, I, yeah, I just thought that was so encouraging, um, even just for going into next year to see – that he is still the Ryan Jensen, and if you weren't sure about that, the unnecessary roughness oh, penalty. The, um, tenacity yeah, was still there. certainly there. But yeah. I think one of the things, too, that was really impressive was in the locker room post game. You know, I mean, he obviously was very emotional just being back out with the guys. And, you know, I, I just love that he said, life is better with a helmet on. Yes. And, and I loved that. But I think for me, it was just his mindset that – regardless of the three ligament tears and the woe is me right. mentality going down like the second day of training camp and just all of those hopes just kind of dashed for what this season could be with Tom Brady back. But instead of doing that, it was like he decided to focus on positives. You know, he was talking about, well, I was able to take my kids to school. And, you know, he looked at a lot of those things instead of just – you know, getting really depressed, which a lot of people can go into that dark place yep. when when they are going through rehab because it is a lonely place. You're having to watch all your teammates go out there and you're just kind of stuck in this place yep. where I'm sure it feels like you're in slow motion while everybody's going full speed ahead. Yeah, I thought that was uh, amazing. So, all right, let's go into some season takeaways that now as we look back over the course of the whole year, what are the things that kind of stand out to you, maybe storylines about this team as you – Take a look at all the way from training camp to this playoff game. What stands out? Well, I think a lot of it offensively is just how frustrating it was that you would see glimpses of that juggernaut, right? Like Dallas week one, the game in Germany against the Seahawks, or the first half in against the Bengals where yep. they played probably their best half of football, and it was followed by the worst mm -hmm. with the four turnovers and 11 plays and you consistently saw like little bits and pieces but they were never able to put it all together you didn't have that consistency they they weren't good in the red area short yardage and you continued to see kind of that same perpetual theme happen where couldn't get the run game going you couldn't dictate the pace of the game they couldn't sustain drive so then you're leaving your defense out to dry they're getting fatigued mm -hmm. But the defensive production was enough to leave Tom Brady enough to kind of have those those comebacks, those right. late game th theatrics, and it was kind of just this this roller coaster and this revolving door of the same thing over and over and right. over throughout the season. But they weren't able to get it 
going. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to lead into some of the the biggest things that they're going to try to work on throughout the offseason is, you know, I mean, it, it felt almost like Groundhog Day a little bit us coming up here because it was a lot of the same issues over and over. And I think, you know, even like Todd Bowles was saying in regards to the run game, you know, he's like when you're the worst ranked in the league – it's not it's not one thing. You know, you can't point to one thing. Yep. It's kind of a combination of everything. And I think really kind of in the totality of the offense, that's really what it was. It yeah. wasn't necessarily just one specific thing. It was just kind of the combination of everything. It was the penalties. It was the lack of the run game. It was protection issues at times. It was, you know, poor throws at times. It was the, the lack of synergy between Tom Brady and the receivers at times. You know, it was just kind of everything. And, and in a lot of instances – Nothing was going right. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, how, how do they kind of come back from that? And what are some of the steps they can take in the offseason to improve that? Yeah, forward? it's so interesting because I think in football so often there's kind of the difference in the reactivity of it, of are you looking to see what the other team is doing and then reacting versus being able to sort of impose your will. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it felt like we were having to be in a little bit of survival mode right. as compared to dictating what right. was happening. Because you're having to play catch-up. Yes. And then also just the idea of, you know, offensive linemen always talk about how they love the run game because it is about them imposing their will as compared to, again, having to do the, the backing up and pass protection. And I think that overall it felt like the offense wasn't getting to do the impose your will. Right. Pushing. In, pushing it, forward. Right. It was more of the reactivity of just trying to protect him. Yes. Yeah, keeping him upright. Keeping him upright. And when he doesn't seem to trust that he's going to have enough time on that, you're doing a lot of short throws, a lot of dump offs. You know, his not only was he throwing more passes than ever before, but his average depth of target was so low right. all year. Yeah. And so then you feel like you're not getting to use your weapons fully that we saw, like you said, glimpses where you could see that Julio Jones could still be right. a deep threat, that you see that, of course, Mike Evans still very capable of beating his guy for some of the deep threats, but it was almost like it was happening so rarely that they weren't getting to practice it in real time enough to get that chemistry mm -hmm. down because it was so much more often a four-yard pass, right. five-yard exactly. pass, a four-yard exactly. pass. And to, I just think that from a confidence standpoint, everybody feeds off of each other. And if it feels like there isn't that confidence that we're going to go out and impose our will, that that can start – to maybe get a little right. bit infectious yeah. as well. So um, I think that just that that's the biggest thing. And it's totally understandable when in particular so much of that imposing your will does start up front. Mm -hmm. And this offensive line was just a completely new look of people, not what you anticipated yeah. it being at the start of the year. That's already going to kind of put you back on your heels as you are trying to form that chemistry, form those right. bonds. You know, I, I just think that it is so hard to – really understate how important that chemistry is where things like Donovan Smith and Ali Marpet, the way that they had played yes. their whole careers together, that they always kind of equated it to this married couple where <laughs> you know what the other one is thinking before they say it. Yeah. You don't even, there, there's the unspoken language and how many times you end up being able to help each other without having to ask. And like all those split mm -hmm. second moments of that, right. knowing where they're going to be, knowing where you're getting knowing help from. Yes. That that is, so important and to not have that essentially anywhere on the line that if you think mm -hmm. about all the new pieces mm -hmm. there weren't two people getting to play next to each other that had played next to each other yeah. last year on a consistent basis that's a huge deal 
and I don't care how long you have. And then, of course, more guys getting hurt where it's not even like, okay, well, we've got a different line than we thought to start the season. By the end of the season, they'll have the chemistry. Well, then you have other injuries, other shuffling, <laughs> where there was yet again it's a different not, combination. Yeah, it, it was every day. It was a different combination, yeah. it felt like. And so you didn't get to build that the same way that they would have hoped to and, and wanted to. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that was so much of it. And then defensively, I think it's a similar sentiment in the idea of knowing and trusting what's happening enough to just do your job yeah and not, and not try to do too much yes that I heard a lot of the guys say that that was usually when you would see a breakdown or you know the edge wasn't set or something it was that someone decided I'm gonna I play know, hero yeah, ball I know that this is my assignment but, but what about over this. there yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think just to know and trust that and, and I've heard guys say that when they did that they realized again that what Bowles had told them to do was right all along, yeah. which I'm sure he loved of <laughs> getting to do yeah. the "I told you so" yeah. moment. <laughs> right. It's I, I feel like he's the the parent of the defense, where yeah. it's the you know I told you there was a reason that I set these rules for you, mm. um, and so I think that did seem to get better as the course of the season right. went on, as guys saw that. So yeah, those were kind of my big takeaways: was the difference in trusting what you have and going with the game plan, as compared to occasionally feeling like you needed to improvise or quickly do things on both sides of the ball because of that. So how about um, goals for the offseason and next season for this team based on what we just said? Well, I love that you mentioned the the confidence factor because I think a lot of times consistency breeds confidence. And when they didn't have the consistency, I think you kind of just saw really a lack of both because, you know, explosive plays are contagious. And whenever – the Bucks' offense when you were kind of limited in what they could do because you weren't having the success running the football, so you didn't make the defense respect your running game. Then you didn't have the downfield passing attack. So it's like they they were limited, and I think you saw the Cowboys really key in on that. You know, you had a lot of those batted passes. You had a lot of screens where they were at, immediately there snuffing it out. So I think one of the things next season is just kind of working on and building that offense, getting that back, fixing a lot of those issues and, and getting it to where it's a cohesive unit. You have that synergy again. And then defensively, I know Todd Bowles really stressed the pass rush, you know, that he didn't – it wasn't to his liking. It wasn't to the standard of excellence that he sets because yep. I think we all know that Todd Bowles is kind of that that pressure king. Oh, you yeah. know, that's what, that's what he's known for. Yep. But he even mentioned behind the podium that whenever you're a nose tackle – as, as exciting as that is for, for all of us yeah. with, with Vita Vea, who's, you know, that's typically more of the... Yeah, for him to be your sack leader. Right. It's more of the, I clog, like, I clog holes, mm -hmm. I open up opportunities for other guys. It's yeah. more of that two-gap. But at the same time, he's like, you know, that production needs to come from your outside linebackers. And we need more production on the edge as opposed to in the interior. So I think that's also going to be one of the, the focuses this offseason is getting that pass rush, getting the pressure, and getting that to be to where you're helping out your secondary. You're allowing your linebackers to flow, yep. and that works all together in, in in going up against the opponent and kind of how, how are those they able to do that and what are some of the moves that they're making. Yeah, I agree. I think for me it is going to be – a lot of the figuring out up front what you want the right. offensive line to look like that to feel like whatever it means if it's just this exact group of people with more time together mm -hmm. whether it's adding other pieces that 
whatever it takes to make whoever your quarterback is next year feel like they can sit there long enough to hit a Mike Evans downfield. Yeah. To impose the running game mm-hmm. a little bit more and longer. That to me is just such a massive, massive thing. Um, I feel like I would be the kind of GM where I would draft like 30 offensive linemen in a row. Like I'm just, I am the person that so believes in that group of people being such a key to your success. And that as we've seen in any position in football, there's never enough depth, right? There's just never enough because you never know how many injuries can happen. And it's felt like the last few years, every time there's some sort of the same position, the same group, like, you know, injuries are going to happen in the NFL. That's a given, but it's when it's so (laughs) clustered, it's like, man, can we spread this out a little bit? So I think that just knowing that there's just never enough, never enough people, never enough depth that you can have there. And then I agree with you on the pass rush. And that was definitely one of the areas where I think like we talked about the discipline of that's a hard position to do that, where you are, you know, that in some ways you are paid to make the splash plays. Mm -hmm. But I sometimes think that we as fans value the splash plays more than the discipline plays Mm -hmm. of setting the edge and making sure your gap is still covered. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of times I think you can get so excited about trying to get to the quarterback that then you lose contain. Right. And that's a really hard line to walk. I do not envy that on their right. position. And I think that the problem was how often you weren't really getting either, that that, that maybe they were losing contain but still right. didn't get there. Yeah, because the over-pursuit then yes. leaves the gaping hole Exactly, for, like, and I think that's what we saw is either yeah. make sure you're getting there or that you are not leaving In, yes. that giant hole. Um, okay, so let's close with our quote of the week, as we always do. What do you have there? I am going to go with a quote from Levante David. Mm-hmm. I loved this. He was just talking about the, the team's camaraderie. And I thought it painted a really good picture of the locker room this season. And he said, the way guys had each other's back, we stuck together, the way we kept each other, held each other accountable. We always talk about being our brother's keeper. And we had a great example of that this year. Through all the bad times we were going through this season, we were able to stay positive, keep everyone's head up, keep people from pointing fingers. At the end of the day, what matters was the guys in the locker room, and we demonstrated that. It got us here. Obviously, like I said, it didn't go the way we wanted it to go, but definitely I think every guy in this locker room, we have a real brotherhood. And I think, you know, that's that's what you want. It's not pointing fingers, but it's everybody coming together and holding each other accountable for the greater good. It's not I, it's we and how can we be better. And I think, you know, the the team dinner that the defense had really kind of demonstrated that in going around the table, talking about the issues that were happening. How can we collectively be better across the board? And I think that is one of the things that really sets this team apart is the family-oriented values that you see all across the board was, I think, is what's going to be a really key component in building for the future. I love that. I went less touchy-feely with my quote, but I enjoy yours. (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's so nice. I tried to keep it positive. I know. I'm like, that's so nice. uh, I'm glad one of us did. I went a little bit more with a technical one that I just think is going to be really interesting in terms of, and I know in one of our uh, next couple episodes, we're going to do some storylines of the offseason we're excited to watch. Um, And this one sort of plays into the one I will want to talk about in that episode uh this was Todd Bowles and he was asked about whether or not he will keep defensive play calling next year Mm -hmm. um and that was always something I thought was interesting this last year about him getting the job so late as the head coach is that he had talked about there wasn't time 
to even try to hand off those duties, even if he'd wanted to. So he was asked about that, and he said, we'll always talk about it. I've never been all-encompassing. I have to make all the decisions. But we have guys capable of calling plays over there as well. We'll talk about it as a staff, and we'll go through the dynamics of it, and we'll kind of go there. We'll even let a few of them call preseason games and see where we are. We'll make the best decision going forward. The part that intrigued me was the we'll even let a few of them call preseason games. That tells me a few things. One, that tells me we may not know who's going to call plays. Sounds like we're not going to know who's going to yeah. call plays before preseason games. That it almost sounds like that could be an audition yeah, for, for some guys. And then maybe if Bowles doesn't like how it goes, he keeps it. Um, and I think that's a great way to go about it where if you make the call now, you spend the whole off season where maybe you've given it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then you don't like how it goes in preseason. Well, now you've spent the whole off season doing it this way. Right. So to be – it sounds like what will happen is they will be prepared – for Bowles to still do it, and it sounds like even multiple other defensive coaches, because mm-hmm. he said them, like there's like there's multiple yeah. people. So I just one. So to give multiple people that option, which I also think that's always good to have multiple people who yeah. can do it on a staff who get that practice, and then see how it goes. And to me, that will be a fascinating storyline and dynamic yes. to get to watch all off season and all preseason. So yeah, that quote fascinated me on a lot of levels, but um, all right, that is going to do it for us on this first off season edition of Tampa two. And as always, if you have any other thoughts or topics or questions you want us to get to, especially now that it's off season and we have a lot more uh, time <laughs> To get to those topics, make <laughs> sure you uh, you can tweet at each of us or send us some messages on social media, and we'll try to get to all of those topics. So we'll see you next time.